and welcome to Witch Witch Podcast. I'm Lyra. And I'm Delena. Welcome, welcome to the to darkness. darkness. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Um, so, do we have anything that we need to go over before we just start rambling? Podcast-wise, no. Okay. I don't know why, but I thought you were just going to go, podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we're doing? Like, are we podcasting? That honestly has been the energy I've been, been bringing to my life for like the last week and a half. I feel that. I um, I ha- I gave myself a pep talk uh, in the mirror at work today, and it pep talk's a weird word for what I'm about to describe. Uh, hey, you're good enough. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, and uh, I just sort of looked myself in the face in the mirror, and I went, maybe if you just act like you have the energy required to complete your tasks one of these days, the energy will catch up to you and your body will just be like, this is what we do now. This is who we are. (laughs) And I'll be productive. Fake it until you fucking make it. Yeah. And I don't know if that's going to end with me having higher energy levels or if that's going to end with me passing out. Yeah. Like like I'm going to be stalking at work and I'm just going to pass out on the fucking floor. (laughs) All those outcomes are highly likely. I I agree. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, the only time in my life that I've been highly organized uh, was with a, a wild, like, almost... Manic zeal. Yeah, and uh, it lasted until I literally broke down. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, we were all worried about you because you were so organized. I was very organized. I was on time everywhere. And uh, I was, I don't know, I was I was feeling it. I was getting shit done. I was cleaning you had everything scheduled down to the minute. I sure did. Now I ha- I, I had uh, a mini calendar, a mini planner, an at-home planner, uh, and a calendar in my bathroom, my bedroom, and my kitchen. Yeah, you had them everywhere. You had some big Virgo energy going on. It right was there. some big Virgo energy, and I was, like I said, getting shit done. Um, but it was too much. So now it's pared down. I have no calendars and one planner, and I don't know where my planner is. <laughs> Do you feel naked without it? A little bit, because I've been relying on it so uh, so heavily. I don't want to buy a new one. I just started this one. It's... it's Fuck, what month is it? It's May. God damn. It's the end of May. It is the end of May. I almost said it's March. Sorry, oh, I put Jesus. February on something earlier today. <laughs> Dude, I put random fucking years on things. Like, I'll be signing my name for something. I'll put 2017. I'm like, oh, that's not right. And I was like, let's try that again. 2012. I was like, you know what? Just today's date is fine. We don't need a year. Uh, the other day when I was closing the store with someone else, they kept writing 2016 on all the forms. Dude, it's it's been rough. All mm. right. Um... <laughs> I have, uh, before we move on, I have a cat story I'm going to share real quick because I think we've been rambling about organization for long enough. Uh, but when uh, my husband brought me home today from work, I got out of the car and Zeus, our little outdoor kitten, um, came. he like came running out from underneath one of the one of the cars nearby into the tall grass in the yard next to ours and like sort of hid there wiggling his butt. And I came up, right, because he was right at the edge of the, the sidewalk. And I came up to him and I went, Zeus! And he looked up at me like, how? How can you see me? <laughs> I am made of the shadows. 
He's like, I am in grass and I am stripy. That makes me camouflaged. <laughs> and he was just so, he was so upset that I saw him. But I, I thought I'd share that story because it was really cute. And I know a bunch of our listeners have cats. That is really cute. <laughs> uh, is there anything you'd like to add before we move on? Because this is just sort of where we ramble at people. <laughs> I guess. Um, I actually also have a cute cat story to share. Ooh. Uh, Lyra's cat apparently decided that my window is where he lives now. <laughs> yes. And he will come and snuggle with me, and it's wonderful because he's like a big squishy pillow. He is. He's the best snuggler. But the other morning, he like followed me downstairs, and like I fed him, and then like he followed me all around the kitchen, and then back into that. the living room after he ate, and finally. I didn't realize you have to pick him up a certain way. Mm-hmm. So we had a crisis when I tried to pick him up. Yeah, because he panics if you don't pick him up the right way. You have to pick him up right up under his armpits. Mm-hmm. And then I went to put him on the bed with Lyra, and, like, I forgot also. Because he doesn't really mess with me. <laughs> he really just sticks with Lyra's husband all the time. He loves him. Um. So I dropped him on the bed, and he doesn't land like a normal cat. He just went on his side and was like, (laughs) My poor baby. It was really funny. It was cute and funny and then tragic and then funny. (laughs) (laughs) I love that he's having this moment of, like, remembering that there's an upstairs. Because he's a big moron, so he forgets about parts of the house and then rediscovers them and acts like they're new and lives there for, like, a week or so. (laughs) And then moves on. Well, it doesn't help that everything he does, we're like, yes, sir. Very good, sir. sir. Like, he does this thing when he goes to lick out of the water bowl. He, even if it's right in front of him, he wants it to be closer. So he sticks his paw in and acts like he's trying to flip it over. Most of the time he does flip it over, but, like, it's wild. It's it's just wonderful. He's just a great cat. But let's let's move on to the meat of the episode. Um, you want to, uh, we'll probably jump right into your segment. Um, breaking from, from our usual formula, I don't actually have a segment Uh-oh. this week. I know I'm just going to be providing interruptions and bad commentary. <laughs> um, oh, and a small thing. We are recording in the car again, um, because we're useless and, uh, this time it's at night. So if you hear us just stop suddenly, it's because Lyra saw something and we're both staring. If you hear the volume of my voice change, it's because I keep looking behind me every time a car passes us on the busier road behind us. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> so, so enjoy my paranoia through the episode, I suppose. Um, but yeah, let's, let's jump into your god or goddess of the two-week period that we do our episodes. god du jour. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. I'm going to stop. Okay. Welcome back to today's God and or Goddess. <laughs> Today, sticking with our Egypt theme, I'm going to cover Horus. Horus is a pretty cool character. He uh, He's kind of tricky. I don't know much about I know he's a bird. <laughs> yes. He is a falcon and a man. Yes. I mean, they're all a something and a man or woman, yeah. Usually. Unless, you know, it's just the, the Egyptian serpent one. Oh. Is, yeah. is that not also a person? Um, it's usually a serpent. <laughs> I 
it's not it's not all that funny but a police car just drove past us and i think in that moment we realized how much like drug dealers we appear oh my god we're sitting in the middle of the night with the light on inside of my car and i'm reading from a book parked in front of some shady ass houses yep. so, so that's good so and you know someone I don't know if this is something we should include, but someone was shot down the street not too long ago. They were. So. <laughs> they were. Yeah, we live in a great neighborhood. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please tell us about Horus. All right. Well, Horus is the son of Isis and Osiris, which you may remember. Yeah, we went um, over that briefly, yeah. Yeah, we went over Isis mostly, and then we, we included Osiris' story as part of it. Yes. Uh, the symbols of Horus, I'm just going to go over the main one right now, is the Eye of Horus. Everybody knows it. It's the, the Egyptian eye that's on every amulet from the 90s. It's not an ankh. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is thought to be the sky. Oh. Uh, his right eye is the sun, and his left eye is the moon. That's cool. During one of his many battles with Set, his left eye was gouged out, so that's why the moon is not as bright as the sun. Ah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I don't and in that this. battle, just as an aside, Set lost a testicle, so I don't know what that is. Wait, wait, wait. Is he the one whose testicle became like watermelons or something? <laughs> that would be hilarious if it was. I don't even know if that's Egyptian. <laughs> Anyway, that's pretty funny. Uh, the eye of Horus is a very powerful protection, uh, often worn by people seeking the protection of Horus or of the gods, because it's also associated with Ra. Uh, it's placed on deceased pharaohs for protections in the afterlife and painted on the bows of ship for safe passage. I, I was waiting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I got paranoid early in the recording in our car in the middle of the night session that we're having here. And I have, in turn, made Galena really nervous. Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, but this, and this is what I'm going to lovingly call hashtag Egyptian story time. <laughs> okay. So, Set and Horus had many battles. Some of them... They turn into creatures and duke it out. One story, they turn into hippos and just duke it out in the river. Terrifying. Um, their conflict lasted like 80 years. Jesus. Yeah, and I don't know if that's human years or God years, so who knows oh, yeah. how long it actually lasted. Um, this particular battle, which made me laugh really loud while I was looking it up, is one I kind of remembered, but I didn't remember how fucked up it is. Uh, so, one day, Set decided the absolute best way to beat Horus was to dominate him. And in dominating him, you know, you think maybe he's just going to beat him in battle. That is definitely not what I assumed. No, it's exactly what you yeah, assumed. Yeah, I figured. So, Set decided he was going to seduce and fuck Horus. Because that would make him the absolute dominant alpha male. You and know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> How you assert your dominance over your dude friends by fucking them? <laughs> I'm sorry, please. Bro, I'm gonna fuck you, man. 
basically, that's how this went down. Just God edition. God edition. So, he seduces him, and they start having sex. Yeah, just that happens. Sure. And, you know, don't think about the fact that, you know, Horace is his nephew. Sure. Um, but Horace, being the smart, the smart god that he is, puts his hand between his legs and catches the semen instead of letting it go into him and flings it into the river. How, um, how are they... How are they having sex? I'm, I I'm mean, pretty sure that, like... Because I'm just... No, I don't want to get graphic on our witchcraft podcast. But that's definitely not how that works. No. But it, it, gets, it gets weirder. All right. Yeah, this was, this was, like, the normal All right. part of the story. So he catches the semen and flees it, flings it in the river. And so that nobody can say that Set inseminated him. Sure. Fine. Whatever. Later, Horace, who's, you know, just hanging around and just jacking it. Just jacking it. You know, spreads his semen all over some lettuce. And Set eats it because Set loves lettuce. That's his absolute favorite food. You know what? I can't even fault him. Lettuce is delicious. So, aggravated and, you know... Post-coital. I just thought about lettuce covered in semen. Yeah. Oh, and he was just, you know, chomping that down. It's the best fucking lettuce I've ever had. <laughs> you know, so after this, they go. The gods are already fucking done with them. Yeah. Because they've been battling for 80 years. Wake up. Guess what? They're hippos today. Go to sleep. Wake up. They're crocodiles today. You know, just on and on and on. So much so that the humans have noticed. And now human pharaohs are like taking spears out on their barges and pretending to fight hippos to show that they are the dominant ones. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So. I like that it's pretending, though. Like, they didn't actually fight hippos. No, they did, but, you know, a lot of them died. Uh. Both. 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 Both hippos and pharaohs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, the Council of Gods, or whatever, says, fine. We understand that, you know, this has happened. One of you has dominated the other. We're going to, we're going to settle this, and our word is final. Both Set and Horse are like, fine. Set's like, I'm absolutely fine with that. I know who dominated who. Yeah. So, the gods call forth Set's semen, because they heard his plea first. Set's semen arises out of the river and comes to them, and they're like... Your semen is not inside of Horus. Therefore, you did not dominate him. And you know, Set's got to be looking at Horus like, Motherfucker, I know I fucked you. <laughs> you know I fucked you. How is this not inside you? <laughs> and you know, Horus is like, I don't know. Weird things happen, right? So then they call forth Horus's semen. And it answers from Set's belly. Yeah. So they're like, ah, Okay. Well, obviously, Horus has dominated Set. Horus is now the king. And Set's like, no, 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 no. We need to have one more challenge. And the gods are like, oh, my God. You agreed to this, you son of a bitch. And he's like, I have the perfect idea. And they're like, okay, well, what is it? And he's like, boats. And they're like, anybody can sail a boat. He's like, stone boats. And they're all like, okay, okay. 
Well, probably. Sorry. But I don't know how much pumice is in Egypt. Yeah, probably not much. And they're like, fine, whatever, race your stone boats. Let's end this. We're going to crown one of you king, and this is going to be over. So Horus, because he's very intelligent, takes a wooden boat and paints it to look like a stone. Set, you know, it's just like, I imagine just carrying that fucking big-ass piece of stone all the way from the middle of the desert because he is the god of the desert and the oasis, so I'm assuming he just doesn't understand buoyancy. Probably. It's like, a rock ship, that'll win it. <laughs> so, you know, he throws his boat into the water, hops in it, and it sinks. Obviously. Horus throws his, bo- his boat in and just takes off. <laughs> <laughs> so Horus wins again. Finally, after many battles, many just continual battles because they're not done there you know oh my gosh sorry the car I'm just trying to turn the light on i'm so sorry the car turned back on um you know they decide that they're going to divide the kingdoms now depending on what dynasty and what era it is one controls the upper kingdom one controls the lower kingdom it just goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth uh let's see here His symbols continued are the falcon. He was sometimes called the celestial falcon. Mm. Horus, that is. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. He was married to Hathor, who is also sometimes Isis. You know, as as it happens. Uh, He's often represented as a man with a falcon's head or just a falcon with the double plume headdress. Uh, His names are the sun god, the war god, the hunter's god, the god of kingship, the god of the dawn, the keeper of secret wisdom, the son of truth, Horus the Avenger, and lord of two lands. Hmm. His story as the Avenger is after his mother conceived him with his father's dead body. You know, because nothing yeah. can be normal. Um, she I feel fled like we with went him. into that too, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did in the, the Isis one. She fled with him into the marshlands and he grew up there, hidden in secret, so that one day he could go and avenge his father and kill Set and all this stuff. And one of the stories, it comes down to it that Horus finds out that his mother, Isis, is more than powerful enough to kill Set herself. But isn't able to because he is also her brother. And she thinks, you know, oh, I can't kill my brother. Even though Set had absolutely no problem killing his brother. <laughs> so, in a fit of rage, Horus cuts off his mother's head. Jesus. And she took it pretty well. <laughs> she put a cow's head on her head. You know. And that's when she started wearing the cow head. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> pretty much permanently. But, it, you know, it just it's it's funny. And she took it, you know, she took it all in stride. Yeah, sure did. <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to touch on, which we've touched on before, are kind of Horus and Jesus. Oh, yeah. A lot of people believe that the story of Jesus is heavily influenced by the story of Horus. Because Horus was often believed to be the reincarnation of Osiris. Oh. So he was both the father and the son, like Jesus. Yeah. Um, he was, there's a lot of Jesus parallels. Some of them are provable, some of them aren't. 
so I don't really want to get into those. Um, some of them claim that his birth was either a virgin birth or, or a magical birth. I agree that it was a magical birth because depending on which myth you go with, either Osiris's penis was retrieved from the river and then used to conceive right. the baby, or he was just somehow conceived even though the penis of Osiris was in a catfish somewhere. Sure. Yeah. So there's a lot of weird things like that. Um, I, I didn't remember the catfish, so that threw me for a loop for a minute. Yeah. And the resurrection part is with, because he's the re reincarnation of Osiris, Osiris was resurrected and then went into the... the the afterlife and everything like that so there's a lot of similarities i'm going to do a little bit more research on that because i find um world myths that coincide to be very very interesting oh yeah i might do a section on that coming up no I, on comparing horace and jesus and this is like a stupid fucking question so if you expect insight don't just stop stop right now um the the imagery of the um the sort of solid golden circle halo uh, in a lot of like Roman Catholic mm. depictions of Jesus. Um, do you think that's heavily influenced by the? I do. The I do. headdress. I do yeah. because actually part of this is. Um, Which I'm sure this is something we could like actually research. I'm sure people know, but well, because that's actually a good point. I had that actually written down. Not that not not that specific thing, um, but the big part of Horus and the part that they believe that the authors used some influence from is during the Hellenistic period, which is the period from Alexander, Alexander the Great well into the rise of the Roman Empire. So a lot of the influence already was Egyptian and was mixed up with the Coptic view, like the Greek view of the Egyptian gods, the cults that have spread everywhere. So I do believe that the sun discs became the halos or the, the shine behind the heads of the saints and, and things like that. It just seemed to follow, you know? Yeah, it's... I feel like it was something they had seen there, like, that's neat or just out of tradition. They're yeah. like, well, this is a holy figure, let's just keep... Yeah. Let's keep this. Well, because it is like a, a grand show of divinity, you know? Mm-hmm. Having that like solid, uh, solid disc of gold behind mm -hmm. uh, the head, and a lot it's of the headdresses funny. have those solar discs on them. Yeah, in Egypt, that that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. That yeah. a lot of it was borrowed because I imagine a lot of it was borrowed from a lot of different religions. Oh yeah, especially since a lot of, especially when the Catholic Church had control of the biblical text, which they do. Oh yeah, I mean in they still some do. instances they do, but you know they took a lot of local gods and goddesses of when they were trying to incorporate a people into the faith and would either turn their god or goddess either into a saint or into a demon. Yeah. We definitely just got like that whole van driving past. I'm sorry. My car is very hot. It is very warm. Um, Summer is almost here. <laughs> uh, but then, I mean, with the just the proximity of the the religions that sort of built up into what eventually was modern Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, it makes sense that there's a bunch of overlap in the imagery. Oh yeah. Um, I think I'm I'm gonna sneeze. <laughs> Is well, it... I think that ends this, <laughs> this segment. We'll let Lyra sneeze off 
Thank I'm gonna you. set off camera. Off camera. Off uh, off recording. Off audio camera. I apologize for all the extraneous noise. And <laughs> join us back for our next segment, which will be nettle. Yeah. Nettle here. Today I'm gonna review Basic Witches: How to Summon Success, Banish Drama, and Raise Hell with Your Coven by Jaya Sexina and Jess Zimmerman. Which, if I fucked up either of your names, I apologize. Um. First, before I actually talk about the book, I wanted to talk about uh, my perceptions of the book before I read the book. I was really excited about the release of this. It's got a bomb-ass title. Uh, it was released in 2017. And I think at the time I was following somebody on Tumblr who was close to one or both of the authors or who was just super enthusiastic about the book's release. Because I kept seeing stuff about it all the time because it was always in my mind. I also know that like, a lot of feminist like, presses and things were promoting it pretty heavily. Um, and so I was pretty excited. In 2017, I was still in school. So like when it came out, I completely missed its its release. Um, and I actually, I, I'd intended to buy it sort of like after I graduated when I had time to do stuff. Uh, what ended up happening was before I could buy it, I read a lot of reviews of the book. I had, a, I think, I, I can't believe, I can't remember if this was a review or if it was just, I actually had a conversation with somebody, but I think I had a conversation with somebody in my college about it because he, they, he, he'd read it before, um, I'd had a chance to get it because, because he had his life together and he could, he could multitask and I could not. Um, <laughs> But I kept hearing things about it that sort of made me not want to read it. Like, I was real excited about it to begin with. But then, like, I kept hearing things like, and I'll go into this more in the actual review, but, like, they weren't they weren't talking about witchcraft in a way that I was interested in. And they weren't, um, they have a couple things where they're pretty, they sort of lean into perceptions of it that not everybody believes in, but sort of just, they don't really dispute the fact that pe other people don't believe in them. They just treat them like they're their facts um which honestly after reading the book it they do that a little bit but not nearly to the degree I was led to believe based on reviews and based on just people talking I 100% assumed that this review was going to be me talking about how I didn't really like the book and the only reason I even have the book is I went to take it off a wish list because I just have a digital copy of it and when I went to take it off the wish list, it was like the week it was on sale for two bucks. So I went ahead and bought it because I figured worst come to worst, if I if worst come to worst, if I get nothing else out of it, at least I can review it for the podcast and people can see if if they're interested or not. So I was um <laughs> to go back when they talk about witchcraft, and this is this is honestly within reading of, of the first few sections of the book I really didn't think it was going to be something I was super into um they don't they don't talk about witchcraft in a way that I think about witchcraft but also I don't know how to properly define how they differ in some ways because in a lot of ways I should probably sit down and define what witchcraft means to me but they start by talking about it like um they like it from a social perspective as it's uh, oh shit sorry I can't remember if they talk about it from a social or cultural perspective they like the term witch and they like some associations with it and things like that they're very clear early on that they don't or at least I, I don't know if it's both or just one of the authors doesn't actually believe in magic but she believes in using magic as a way to trick your mind into doing things it needs or doesn't or you, you need to do or you don't want to do and so from the start, I was like, that sounds like witchcraft to me. But also, I don't quite understand where you're coming from. 
because I definitely, I definitely believe in magic, obviously. Um, I hope you guys have gotten that from, from listening to us. Uh, but then like the more they get into it, it, it sounds a lot like what I'm used to. I think their big distinction is they don't, they don't practice witchcraft as a religion, which I don't either. So I get that. Um, honestly, they, the book itself is, it's well-written. It's very easy to go through. It's very fun. Uh, they have a lot of spells. Like, they had a lot more spells than I was expecting based on the introduction. Um, they do lean into a lot of things with connotations already. So, like, they're not really fighting against a lot of things already related to witchcraft. Like, the idea that certain crystals and gems have associations. They play around with colorology. They um, they list things that have different connotations, and they they list they they talk about imbuing items with intent, which was fun to read. Honestly, um, I don't think at any point they actually talked about grounding, but at the same time, they're also not they're not treating magic like it's magic. So I can guess I can kind of see why they wouldn't. At the same time, it doesn't feel like they're completely against you know protecting. They're they're not against you protecting yourself or anything. Um, some of the things that they do go into that I don't love, they talk about the threefold rule and like, they don't, they don't even acknowledge that people don't believe that or that some people don't believe in the threefold rule. Um, it's just, it's casually mentioned in a section about creating a coven, which was honestly a little bit of a weird section because it's mostly about making friends and finding people who are good friends for you and you're good friends to them, which isn't bad. It just, I don't. I don't remember if they ever loop back around and how do you create a coven out of that unless it's just supposed to be your friends and then you're a coven, which I feel like, I feel like becoming a coven involves a little more conversation, but at the same point with this podcast, I think I'm halfway in a coven, even though we haven't really discussed it in length. We definitely had a conversation about it though, if we were comfortable with that. I'm sure we'll have more conversations at some point when we all exist in the same space. Uh, another thing they go into is they talk about white magic and black magic, and they do acknowledge that some people don't think of white magic and black magic just as good and evil. They still heavily lean into white magic is good and black magic is bad. Not so much in you shouldn't, maybe not even that you shouldn't do black magic. Well, their, their whole white and black magic section is here's a situation, here's the black magic approach, which you shouldn't do, and here's the white magic approach, which is healthier for you. Uh, here we go. Uh, just to quote a whole section, when you crave physicality but don't want a partner... Dating someone you don't like just for cuddles and orgasms is the black magic example. The white magic example is seeking friends who appreciate a little physical affection like hudge or hugs, hudge, hugs or couch snuggles and getting a massage and then spending all the money you save on dates on sex toys. They also talk about sex at length. And when they talk, it makes sense because they talk about which witches as being comfortable with their their sexualities and being comfortable with themselves. It gets kind of weird, though, because they have a section on picking your broomstick, and it's all about vibrators and sex toys. And don't get me wrong, that's not bad. The only time I've used a broom in witchcraft, it was specifically for sweeping, and it was made out of a branch. 
Actually, correction, because Lyra was the one who used that. I was just there for the ritual. <laughs> so it was kind of weird to read that portion. Um, they also, like... Okay, first and foremost, they have a bunch of art spread out throughout it, and it's the cutest fucking shit ever. I love I love the little art they have all throughout this book. And I'm pretty sure I'm not even getting the best perspective of it, because I have, like I said before, I have an ebook version, I have a Kindle version. I know the art's probably a little bit cuter without it, just I don't know if it's colored or if it's not colored in regular in, in regular in, in physical books. Um, but it's cute as shit. But it's also a little weird because, like, at one point in the artwork, they introduce who should you pick as a familiar, and then they have different animals, and they have pros and cons of each. But they don't ever really talk about what having a familiar is or means. I know that's something that we're planning to explore in the future, and I hope, I hope to death that this isn't the episode they're going to talk about it, because I feel like Lyra and Galena might talk about it this episode while I'm saying we're going to talk about it in the future. If they do, that's fine. That's my fault. Um, but for the most part, they're pretty good about introducing topics and talking about them at length. And they do have, like, a lot of interesting, like, perspectives and things to do with stuff. Sorry, I'm, I'm skipping through real quick to get back to some of the stuff I was interested in. I like... I like one of the magical things they bring up a few times is like naming things. And that's, that was vague. Um, one of the authors at one point to sort of help. Uh, okay. Another thing they go into is like actually focusing on what you want. I really like that because in romance, uh, one of the biggest things they focused on was focusing more on what you want of, want out of a romantic partner rather than like trying to attract a romantic partner. One of the authors at one point in her life wrote a list of what she wanted out of a romantic partner, which I, I hope I don't get the movie wrong. I think, no, and I think in Practical Magic, they made, they made a list, but it was supposed to be like an impossible man who couldn't exist um, to help deal with the curse, their family curse. Um, what she did was she wrote out what she wanted in a romantic partner, and then she gave it a name. She called it Park. And it helped her, like, when she'd be attracted to people who weren't really what she wanted, she could sort of focus in on that and be like, he's not, he's not, a, he's good, but he's not at a park. He's not park or whatever. And I think that's a really cool way to, like, focus in on it because that's a very, naming things is a very tangible way of dealing with things. And they do that too. Like, they talk about, they talk a little bit about demons specifically. They talk about, like, sort of naming demons, but, like, sort of, like, things that are just fucking with you and anxieties and things. But they give them names. And it's, it's fun. They also have humor throughout, which is fantastic. Like, I, I really do enjoy their, their humor. It's really cute. Um, they have a pretty long section on beauty magic, which I'm not going to go super into because I've already, <laughs> I've already contacted Lyra and been like, hey, Lyra, I know we're getting together soon. Do you want to, like, actually chat about this one together? Um, so we'll chat about that and probably a few other things. Uh, but with the, the the beauty stuff is kind of weird because give me a sec my dog's being weird okay um the beauty stuff's kind of weird because like it starts out pretty heavily with like here's some different beauty things you should do and then like at the end they sort of have a wrap-up where they talk about you know if this isn't for you or if like femininity is not really your your cup of tea here's some ways you can subvert it or some ways you can utilize it without having to you know, basically do what we said. They talk about colorology with, like, makeup. Um, and then they 
they uh, go back and like, if you don't like that, then I mean, focus on it with your clothes and stuff like that. They do, they do heavily advocate for like doing an all black wardrobe. And like, I enjoy their discussions on how to do it, like mixing up, mixing up textures and patterns and things. But like also, I personally, I like black and I, I you know, sometimes I do just want to wear a lot of black, but a lot of the time I just do not want to do that. <laughs> I feel like that might also just be the fact that it's summer and it's hot as fuck. No, it isn't. It's not. I'm so sorry. It's been getting hotter lately. And so I keep feeling like, oh, my God, this is as hot as it's going to get. And no, it's it's not even as hot as it's going to get. It's just getting there. Um, I'm trying to think because I think they had a couple more things I wanted to touch on because they were neat. They do have like these little like history sections in between some of the some of the other sections, which I I'd love to know what they look like in a physical book because they're 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 obviously like have a different texture to the rest of the book. I don't. Some of the history sections give me pause and make me want to look into them, but also I didn't really have time before I recorded this, so I didn't. And I'm not saying this like, oh, they're lying about things. I mean, like, I just, they sounded strange. And some of them are things I've not heard before. So they're just things I'd want to look into further rather than just like sit down and be like, yeah, I guess that's a thing. It's in a book. The last two things I want to hit on with Basic Witches is... They do do a heavy focus on femininity and like I said before they do they do do how to subvert it and like not even when to subvert it just if you want to subvert it because if you don't want to give into femininity that's fine femininity is a performance um but they're also very clearly on that while that's going to be their focus it's not well not their focus it's going to be something they talk about a lot it's not like you can be un it, it's not like they're saying you can't you have to be feminine to be a witch because they're not uh, they do talk about how men can be witches, how you can be non-binary and a witch. Um, they're very, they're very, uh, you can you can be a woman and be a witch, obviously, being be an unfeminine woman. I don't think that's the right word, but whatever. And like, I did, I did like that touch. And like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a throwaway line because I do go back to it periodically, not all the time, but here and there. Um, and they also, I think the funniest thing I read in this entire thing was they talked about how they were going to show you how to use tarot cards to do witchcraft and they you did not do anything I'm used to seeing people do with tarot cards. They have a couple spells where you pull out certain cards in your tarot deck and they're always, of course, the Major Arcana. Uh, Arcana? Oh, fuck. Oh, well, I don't know how to pronounce that word either. But anyway, the, the major ones. And... Like, you focus your energy on them or you, like, work on transferring your energy between the cards for your purpose. Which is interesting. I've never heard that before. The The only thing I can think of that I've heard before was similar to that is shuffle your deck, find the fool, and then see the card underneath it. And I can't remember what, what your, like, the answer was supposed to be, like, the question was supposed to be answering. But it was something like, what the fuck? are you doing or like what what are you on about that you need to rethink which is probably completely wrong i haven't seen that in a while um i don't i don't hate it it was weird because i i can't imagine buying an entire tarot deck just to use a handful of cards for a couple a couple things i'm also terribly fond of the minor arcana um i i like them i like their meanings i like a, what a lot of them mean I'm 
very fond of the Queen of Swords because I kept pulling it constantly for a while there between like, was it two or three different decks? I know at one point, if you go back through our tarot posts, I had a couple where I would I would pull two cards and I'd post them. And I had two separate ones pretty close together where the Queen of Swords was included. And then I had a third one where I only used one of the cards because I figured the Queen of Swords was probably, it was reflecting something in my life rather than uh, something in our general readings. Um. But yeah, it's it was an interesting read. I feel like if you're interested in it, it's not a bad read. It's not what I was expecting at all. And to a degree, I can definitely see why a lot of people didn't like it. Um, but, you know, if, if you're interested, feel free to give it a chance. Maybe you'll be lucky like me and it'll be on sale. Or, you know, maybe somebody will gift it to you. But thanks. Welcome back. That was an interesting foray into the book review of Basic Witches with Nettle. <laughs> I almost forgot who did that segment. Um, I might definitely check out that book. Yeah, definitely. So, yes. we've come to the end of our episode. Do you have anything spooky you'd like to share? No, but I believe you do, yes. I do. I just wanted to check to see if you had anything <laughs> you wanted to share. No. Um, as previously mentioned, I've had some experiences with a possible ghost child who likes my bedroom. Uh, she likes watching Sesame Street in there. The other night, I went upstairs to go to bed, and in my bed, laying next to the window, because my, my bed's right up against the wall and up against the window, it looked like a little girl was laying with her back to me. Uh, facing the window and was like tracing her fingers along the window pane. If there'd been frost or anything like that, it looked like she might have been drawing, but it's, you know, it's spring, so there wasn't any of that. And I kind of paused for a second. I was like, well, I don't want to disturb her <laughs> if she's having, you know, having fun. Cause she looked like she was enjoying herself. Um, the, you know, it, it was only like a second flash. I, asked, I said, do you mind if I get in bed? And it, you know, it felt kind of positive. So I laid down to go to sleep and it felt like this cold little lump settled up against my stomach like she decided to lay down too and it was kind of sweet it is really sweet you think you could sleep next to a ghost it depends on the situation i don't i genuinely don't have like a real answer for you you know what i mean because mm. i'm still very very easily creeped out by uh weird things happening around me yeah I think I'm beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> I know I keep saying that. I'm going to wait until something really just freaking terrifying happens. I'll be like, you know, I got scared. <laughs> but at this point, I'm just kind of like, if it's a spirit, it's a spirit. They don't they don't really have a real concept of what they're doing. I mean, in some situations, there's definitely malicious stuff out there, too. Oh, yeah. Um, but... Actually, I think that's all we have for today, isn't it? I believe so. And um, here at the end, we're going to apologize for posting kind of late because we know this is going to be hitting late. Um, but you guys should be used to that by now. Yeah, we had some time constraints. Uh, let's see. Do you have a spooky thing to sign off with? I do. Okay, go ahead. You know, when you're in the shower and the door's shut and something outside the shower falls wonder what's outside the curtain. 
I am. Um, I actually always put a cat in the bathroom with me, <laughs> uh, because that way I can reason away anything I hear outside the shower curtain. Because I have genuine paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> she also usually has a lot of music playing. That's also true. Yes, it's hell for the cat. <laughs> <laughs> They're like you trapped me in a room that's moist Full and there's of noise water. and water. Yeah. All right. But uh, that wraps up this episode of Witch Witch Podcast. Thank you for. I was going to say thank you for calling. Jesus Christ. Thanks for calling. (laughs) Thank you for calling the podcast. (laughs) Stay spooky. And keep your tits up.